Welcome back. Let's go first to the Gemara Sanhedrin, which we saw a few weeks ago, but as I mentioned, we're going to take a few weeks to try to figure out what's going on with the Aserah Sashvatim, when they're coming back, if they're coming back, who they might be, and a lot of it hinges on this Gemara Sanhedrin. So we're going to see the mission in the Gemara again quickly. We get our bearings, and then we're going to see the Ran and the various possibilities and how to learn this Gemara. Let's go to the Mishnah. You have in front of you a few different copies. You have the Pasuk in Yeshaya, which we're going to get to, and the main copy with Sanhedrin and Megillah. There should be three different copies. You should have a Ran. And just uh, when you put them back, separate them so we can pick it up next week. As we mentioned past couple of Shiram, the Asar Sashvatim clearly will be in place together with the other two or three. We're going to have a full representation of the Shvatim Lasalovum. Pasing Yechaskal describes their Makaimis and whether or not the original Asar Sashvatim who went to the Gauls are coming back, which we will discuss in Mitzvah there were representatives from the Asar Sashvatim the entire time. Yaakov, you sent me that interesting comment, uh, Victor Miller, that those who did escape did with tremendous mysterious nefesh, which they did. They were armed guards till the very end of the Aserah Sashvatim. And it was uh, with great peril. Usually it was an arrest or an execution if they were caught. And anybody who moved not only left their home, which means they were basically renting the rest of their life and they didn't have any claim to any farm, for an agricultural society that was a uh, sentence in poverty, at least. And they were strangers. They were all Yidin Baruch Hashem, and I'm sure they were happy to see them. They were a little firmer in Yehuda, so they were trying to help them. But his point is certainly absolutely uh, crucial to keep in mind, that <clears throat> whatever descendants we have from the assessors fought them were those who were most inefficient to escape to come in in the first place, which is uh, very great stock in terms of their ancestors. And there were X amount from each Shevet that made it. There were also groups from the Assessor Shvatim that came back. They were brought back by Yirmiya, which we'll get to. And they went into Golis with Yehuda Binyam into Golis Bavel. So you put all these groups together, and whatever the number is, they're going to regroup and grow, and even without the tremendous influx of the Aser Shvatim from the Sambachon and beyond and Asher and all these places, uh, we're going to have the entire Klai Yisrael. We're going to have Yevil again, and that uh, needs all the Shvatim. So we're going to document some of that. But before we get to that, we have to clarify what's going to happen with the main bulk of the Aser Shvatim. The first generation is being discussed here in the context of this Mishnah of their Elam Haba, or lack thereof, and that's the crucial swing point here, if I can call it. What is the Mishnah referring to and what is the Gemara referring to? So we'll do a quick Chazar on that. And the Gemara Sanhedrin, Akuf Yud, Amid Beis. Take a look at the Mishnah, which we saw already. This Mishnah is often quoted that the Shvatim, the physical form of the Shvatim, the people, are not coming back. question is, does that mean they're not coming back that uh, their descendants are not coming back 
and that's a total uh, deletion of anybody who uh, went there, Derideris, never coming back, which is what it sounds like. When you get to the Gemara, you're not so convinced. The day never comes back. The day gets dark and gets light. That's a positive note. It's going to get light again, and they're going to come back. Again, for the Mishnah, it sounds like we're talking about the physical presence, the physical exile and redemption, and kibbutz golius of the Esaraseshvatim. If that's the pshat in the Mishnah, you've got to concentrate as they walk through these Marmachemists, because here we have a situation where the only two Mahalchim and Girsas based on the Mahalchim are a difference of day and night, no pun intended on the example of the Mishnah. But, uh, it's hard to know if the Gemara now is going on a tangent or the Gemara is touching up what the Mishnah was talking about. As the Gemara starts off, Who is discussing Elam Haba? So you'll say, well, this is Perich Helik. The whole Perik is about who goes to Elam Haba. Okay, that's fine. Was that the context of the Mishnah. doesn't sound like that. Perhaps, maybe it means Lachser is they're going to not come back and do tshuva and get Elam Haba. So I'll remind you, if you look at the Girsa, first look at uh, Zion, in the Gos Etzionim, go off to the left, in the small print, the very side left margin. Does everybody see that? So already he's... Um, Darshaning over here whether it means Elam uh, Haba or not. And if you look at Rashi, take a look at Rashi, uh, the first Rashi in the Gemara. So Rashi says what uh, this gears is that we're talking about Elam Haba. Um, Chayr Elam Haba normally means the world to come, Elam Neshamas. Rashi says that's one possibility. The other possibility, this is Mepharshim, is Hainuli Meisa Mashiach. It doesn't mean Elam Haba, Elam Neshamas. It means Shlai Kablam Mashiach and Shar Goliath. The Mashiach won't take them back. Another gear says he won't bring them back. Why the Fisha Sipru Begunus Eretz Yisrael? Always the danger when you talk about Eretz Yisrael and the Matzav. There are certain things going on that are troubling, but you have to not attack Eretz Yisrael. And Rashi goes on to quote that Pusik. And uh, what do you have here? This bottom Rashi. This, this, this bottom. So Rashi, by quoting it, is the Mefarshi is simply saying that that's not like the Mahalach he was saying before. So Rashi seems to be alluding to the fact that there are two possibilities over here. Does it mean Elam Haba Elam Anashamas, or does it mean they're coming back in this world? Elam Haba means when the Mashiach starts bringing everybody back. Uh, the Rishonim over here say on Rashi that that's not usually what Olam Haba means. Olam Haba usually means Olam Neshamas. Why would it all of a sudden over here mean Olam Haba, the next Tkufa, which is Tkufa Samashiach? Rashi's saying that because he's trying to put it in line with the Mishnah. And if the Pashat in the Mishnah was Tkufa Samashiach, why all of a sudden be talking about Olam Haba? That's the problem over here. And that's the Machlekes, and I will show you uh, the very practical nafkamina over here. If you learn this is all about Olam Haba and Tshuva, is there anybody who holds their Sesat are not coming back physically? So maybe not. Maybe everybody holds they're coming back eventually. And the only shaila is 
Who's Olam Haba? So then you have to say the first generation. They were the ones who are Balavei. They're the ones that talk Lashon Hara. That's what Rashi's referring to. Their children are Mamish Tina They grew up in Asher. What do they know? So that changes everything. And I will show you when we look at the Pusik, all the Rishayim and Navi seem to ignore there exists even a Shita that they're not coming back. And they assume it's Dover Pushit. Bo Ogdenber is Asher. means they're all coming back. They don't even mention the other Shita. Why not? The answer is, according to one possibility in Rashi and the Gemara, the Gemara wasn't discussing physically whether they're coming back. It was only discussing the Elam Haba and the Elam Haba of the first generation that went. That went and took Lashon Abed and didn't want to come back, so they lost the Elam Haba, which, again, the context of Perichelik is discussing who lost the Elam Haba. It's nothing to do with who's coming back. This is very crucial, because if you don't know this, you wonder why everybody touches the Pasuk that they're all coming back. What happened to Rabbi Kiva Shita? They're not coming back. So the answer is not learning the Mishnah like that. You would never know this from reading the Mishnah, and Einam Asid and Lachser would have been easier to read whether they're physically coming back. But that's the distinct possibility doesn't mean that. So that's what we saw until now. Now I'd like to show you the Pasuk. Let's just finish up the Gemara, he's going to quote the Pasuk, and then we'll see the Pasuk inside. Again, Rabbi Kiva, same Rabbi Kiva in the Mishnah. So it's quite possible that the Mishnah, he didn't mean they're not coming back physically. It meant the original generation lost the Olam Haba. If they never do tshuva, they're not going to come back. That already sounds like, what, the first generation or the other generation? Well, first generation is gone. It sounds like the future generation. So he's saying, well, if they do tshuva, they'll come back. If not, not. So now it doesn't sound like we're talking about Olam Haba. Turns out, who's Zecher to come back? Later generations, how are they going to do tshuva? Their Tenegish Nishba. The answer is Elio will come and wake them up and tell them they're Jewish and they'll do tshuva, maybe. But then it's talking about future generations and it's not talking about the original one. And we still don't know whether it's talking about Olam Haba, whether they're going to get Olam Haba, or it means coming back physically or both. Third, Shita, Rebbe Amir, Bam, Hem, Lelam Haba. That's why this is so confusing. You can learn the Gemara on either track, either way. Rabbi says, Befeir, it's going to come to Elam Haba, Shnei Rabbi Yema, Hu Yitaka B'Shefer Gadol. So he touches the Pasuk, it means, La Salava, they're going to get Elam Haba. So does he mean, the Pasuk also means, La Salava, they're going to come back physically and get Elam Haba? We don't know. So there's a lot of mysterious things going on over here. Let's see the Pasuk. It's on your single sheet, the Yeshaya. And now that you know the background, you'll see that uh, everybody, the Radak, the Matsudas, Rashi, the Malbim, everybody over here talks about them physically coming back. Says the, and this is a very famous Pasuk. Just sound familiar from Yom Narayim. Pasuk Yirgim of Ahoya, Bayama, who ye talk of a Shafer Godol, Ba, Ivdin Beretz Asher, and Dachem Beretz Israim, Shtachel Hashem, Bahar Kesh Sounds like they're coming back physically. They're going to come back and bow down to. Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. Shtachvul Hashem Bahara Kedish Bishalayim. Sounds like they're physically coming back. The original generation, maybe they lost the Olam Haba. We're not talking about them anymore. We're many, many, many generations later. Take a look at Rashi and Yud Gimel. Oivdim Beretz Asher Lefish and Afetzu Baretz Vachayka Lefnim and Anar Sambachon. So fascinating. Rashi goes with the Medrash and the Chazals that talk about the river Sambachon that they can't cross. And they're way out there. And they can't cross until we go get them. And therefore, for all practical purposes, they're lost. Karam Oivdim. What's Rashi trying to answer? They're not lost. They know where they are. According to some of the Majrashim, they know exactly who they are. They're the Assassin Shvatim. They might even be from. 
Hence, Elder Adani, who showed up and claimed he's from Dun. That's where he got the name Elder Adani. And he said, yeah, we got uh, hundreds of thousands of what? Oh, it's all over the place. Where is it? It's not, um, not in regular Mishnayas, but yeah, we have many, many, many stories about Elder Adani. He showed up at the time of the Gainim, uh, was it? And uh, he, claimed, uh, he claimed he was from Dun. And we've had other such stories. Uh, some of them are more fantastic than the others, but he was a real person. Um, I think the Gainim. What was that? Uh, he was certainly a very colorful character. Um, I'll be, you know, per yesterday's shear, I don't want to say too much because if he was, the side he was real, he's probably very great. But we don't know about him per se, but Rashi, who was not referring to him as his Raya, is quoting many Medrashim that talk about the river Sambachan and the Shvatim that are hiding somewhere. And as I mentioned, don't ask any Kashas from National Geographic because uh, National Geographic is not the Rashka Bahag, and they keep claiming they're finding more tribes and more places that they, yeah, you'll say the satellite covers every place on Earth. Google Earth has a lot of trees in their pictures. And guess what? They couldn't find Milan. They couldn't find Milan for a long time, and there are a lot of dense forests in the Amazon and all the places. And they couldn't find that black box in the black box. Yeah, a lot of things. They don't know everything. The scientists don't know everything. I meant to mention that to you, John. No? The scientists, I once mentioned to you, the scientists don't know everything. <laughs> so uh, and a lot of things, they, like people think we can solve anything, anywhere. I, I even know uh, of uh, certain GPSs who can't get people to where they want to go before Shabbos with all their technology. Just doesn't, doesn't work. There are certain things you can't, uh, you can't find, you can't solve. So the fact that they haven't found it is not a kasha. Just interesting, Rashi, who's always here to be miyash of Trita Shomikra, Tells you, yeah, lost means lost to us. Doesn't mean necessarily to them. And they know where they are. They just can't come back. That's Rashi. Take a look at the Mitzitah's David. I have everything bracketed. They haven't come back. We don't know what's going on. And therefore, uh, they're lost to us. Maybe they're lost to themselves also. It doesn't comment. But right now, they're lost. Take a look on the flip side on page two in the Radak. So the Radak has a lengthy pshat in the entire Pusuk. And the Radak says that Yitaka B'Shefer Gadol doesn't even mean Yitaka B'Shefer Gadol. It's amazing. We have to get to uh, deep into Malachim Bays to find out what the pshat in this Pusuk is. We've been saying it for many years. See, he says, he claims it's an expression. doesn't mean there can't be a Shefer blown. It means that there's going to be a, uh, a situation where the Navi is going to be sent, the Leo, a Navi is going to be sent, and Hashem is going to bring it back. Kach, now he's not denying there can be a Shefer Gadol. He's saying the expression is an expression. Kach yiskapsu ki'ilu haya niska b'Shefer Gadol. Like to is a big Shefer l'ashmiya kol b'chol elam. And the whole world is going to find out whatever method of media they use. Anybody's guess. Doesn't have to be a shofar. It could be. Kamei shamar gamkein ba'ashem lekim b'shofar yitaka kach yavoi mechal peya. They're going to come from every corner of the earth. Keilu taku lehem b'shofar shiavoi avdim. There's going to be a grand announcement, and Eliyahu Navi or Hishlichim are going to find them and get them. Who are the avdim? Hey, mashvatim shehiglu me'ever anar shehiglum shamelach asher. And again, everybody agrees. Avdim doesn't mean they're lost. It could mean that. It could be, very, quite likely, uh, historically, that they're assimilated. They don't know they're Jewish. 
But the, even the doctors leaving open the possibility, they might know who they are and where they are. We don't know who they are. who went into Bavel, came back after 70 years for Bayashani with some representatives from each Shevet. And then we went into Golis, that's us. They went again after And we're also all over the place, but they are still in Asher or wherever they ended up, whether they know they're Jewish or not. Again, we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago, if they're not and they intermarried, how many of them are still Jewish, but there are those X amount that are. And uh, the Radak and Rashi and the Mitsudas so far learned that they're physically coming back. So why are they ignoring Shittas Rabbi Kiva? You can say we don't possibly like it, or we can say they learned the Mishnah is talking about Olam Haba, not about Kibbutz Golias. Take a look at the Malbim as well, the bottom of the page. You talk about Shefer Gadol. Yeah, Kibbutz Haklali, Vakarasam Sheretz Asher. Evdim, they're lost. Ki Nishkach Mekayim because nobody knows what happened to them until the end of time. So, all the Mofarshim Anavi in Yeshaya are saying that they're coming back, besides all the representatives we have among us possibly sitting in this room. So, how does Rabbi Kiva learn the Pasig? So, right. the, the Gemara goes on to discuss that. There, Once you say, yes, there are other possibilities. Once you say, doesn't mean it has to be a Shafer, and it could mean that the lost people are going to be coming back, meaning, you know, we have Heshiv Leib Abbas Abbanam. There are many Pshatim. What else is going to do there? What does that mean? It's going to cause Tshuva. The children are going to do Tshuva. The parents, the parents are going to do Tshuva. The children. Doesn't the Heshav Levavus can mean many things? A bow means they're going to come from all over the place and they're going to come back. It doesn't say exactly who. So you say it says Asher. It also says, Mitz- also says Mitzrayim in the Pussek. Uh, not that many Jews now left in Mitzrayim. So what does that mean? So I say. Okay, there are, look, there are assimilated Jews everywhere and we hope they come back and maybe that's part of the Kibbutz Goyus. There's also a Medrash that says it's just like one fifth left Mitzrayim. Period. The other four fifths died. The one fifth lost the lava will be zeichet to the gula, and the other four fifths are not going to make it because they're not with the program. And that happens to be the very frightening statistic. Happens to be the ratio now, more or less. Uh, so does that mean uh, if they're not shamit they're not coming back? Uh, many of them are. Most of them are kashenishba. That's part of this uh, part of the shaila. But you have to touch up anyway. The main things in the pasuk we don't know what it means. Uh, it's a science. Matter of fact, for the elam haba angle. Many Mepharshim say that Ritzesayim means the Dar Hamidbar, who also lost the Olam Haba according to one sheet in one bad shape, and Hashem's going to have those Neshamas do tshuva also. So then that could refer to the generation that was lost at Asher. The whole thing could be referring to Olam Haba and Olam Haza. Yes? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, we're going to. Well, we're on that sugar now. And in, in, in the Pelayites and Binyan, he didn't, uh, yesterday was already the first part that was uh, already, he was already on fire. Wait till you see, uh, it's coming up today or next week, where he talks about, uh, yesterday he just suggested you set aside 100% more of your assets for your uh, building plans. Uh, he's going to get to those who have such building plans. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to, on that, on that theme. So, uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. That's what I'm saying. But all, everybody's trying to answer the same thing. What, this is such a famous Pusik. And this is, this is the Pusik. Tells the key. What's going to happen? Lots of love. And you look at the Raman Hosem Malachim. He says, nobody's really sure. When he's coming, he's not coming. Because this, even this famous Pusik, even this Pusik, has uh, 16 different ways to learn it. And what's a bigger pellet? To have a Pusik in Yeshayah, we don't know how to read clearly. That doesn't surprise us too much, even though every Mepharish on the Daf so far says the same exact thing. It's referring to a physical redemption, and they're coming back, and we don't know where they are, and they might know where they are, and Elio is going to find them. But even when you open the interpretations, there's talking to Elmab, you've got to figure out what the Mishnah Sahedrin means. The Mishnah Sahedrin is the most famous source quoted, and everybody quotes Rabbi Kiva. Yeah, there's one sheet to Rabbi Kiva, not one sheet to Rabbi Kiva, who shall pass on. He says they're not coming back. It's a Shailah that showed you the margins. Now, whether he means that, or does he mean Elmab, what? You know what? I, if the pshat is, and this is certainly a possibility that there are many of them, as Rashi says, he thinks the push pshat behind the sabbatian, and they, and he's Rashi's alluding to the fact that they're only lost to us, which means he's saying that they know who they are, and they might be, and they're probably keeping tarmitz, which means they're really lost to everybody, but they know who they are. Then it wouldn't surprise me if it's a lot of people. Once you have that possibility, it could be a million of them. As I said at the beginning, at an age of rampant anti-Semitism, it's very ironic that everybody in the world claims to be Jewish. They all hate Jews, and everybody's making, taking a claim. So, um, you, know, you never know. A lot of, again, as I mentioned in the, in the, the first introduction to this, a lot of the riots they have, they get a lot of Shabbos candles and this minig and that minig, is not impressive, because Jews, from Jews, have been all over the place, and... They were copied by the locals. So that's not a riot. They're, they're from the Assessor Shvatim. There's a lot of raid on this. Uh, books written. And, and the, the riots are not impressive that the people we're looking at in Afghanistan and these places are. So is it possible? Yeah, sure, it's possible. Possible that there's uh, some aspect and, uh, and uh, 10% of them have Jewish blood. That's true of the Spaniards also. So it's not necessarily a riot. Uh, the plot will thicken as we go on to the Gemara and Megillah. Actually, before that, take a look at the Ron. The Ron says... Most of this Beferish on the Gemara Sanhedrin. The Ron is in your main copy, possibly. A few pages in. You see Chadushi Ron? There should be... Uh, well, you have it a separate sheet? Single sheet, okay. I have it... Uh, you see the bottom? Kofiudam Abayz, the bottom right hand. So now that you have all this background, you can read this Ron and understand where he's coming from. Niravadai, he's emphatic about it. Shal So he holds clearly, like one side in Rashi, that the Gemara is touching up what the Mishnah was talking about. And this is what Rabbi Kiva meant in the first place, and we're talking about Ruchnius and Alam Haba, not talking about a physical redemption. We're only talking about the first generation that went there, which is Rashi brings down. As you know, I'll prove it to you. Because you look at the Gemara, the Gemara is talking about Elam Haba, we're not talking about Mashiach and Elam Haza. Why does he put that in? So I think the Pshad is that he's blending the two to me saying that it's possible that th- this is conjecture on my part. This line is a little mysterious. It looks, looks redundant. We're talking about Alam Haba. Why is he mentioned Tchiyas Amesim? 
So it's possible the Ramam himself, as I mentioned, Hilchus Malachim says we don't know the order of the Tkufus of Mashiach and when Tchis Amesim is going to be shortly afterwards, long afterwards. So it could be he's mentioning that the two Pshatim are blended together, that we're talking about Elam Haba, and if they get Elam Haba, get Tchis Amesim, and then we can discuss them coming back and being part of Klai Yisrael, maybe in Tchis Amesim. That's what I assume he's alluding to, but might be other possibilities. How does he know this? Meet the Polig, Rebbe, Vamar, the last line of the Gemara we saw. Rebbe says, Zaram. So we're talking about only the first generation, the entire discussion of the Mishnah Gemara, the Ron says, is only the first generation that was exiled. Notice how he's hedging both sides. He says, We don't know who's coming back and how many. They're coming back. As the Pazik says, they're going to come to Yishalayim, come to the Beis Because we know, and this is his Raya, the other Mahalach in the Gemara answers this Raya. He says, it must be. We know we have a Maserah, the low Kala Shifta. It's a Gemara. We have a Maserah, they're going to be 13 Shvatim Lassalavam. When I say 13, 12, the Yitzhi split into two. He tells you the Nobody ever argued on this. The answer to this raya could be, yeah, of course they're going to be all the Shvatim because we had representatives the whole time. So the raya can be shlogged up, but the Ran holds that the Pashpshat is they're going to be 13 full Shvatim and we have some among us, he would admit, and we have more coming. How much? We don't know. Ma'atim Harbei. But he's clearly learning that the Gemara and the Mishnah are talking about first generation only and their chedling al maba, nothing to do with whether the ten lost tribes, quote unquote, are coming back. So that fits very well with one gears that we have, one Pshat and Rashi, and all the Mepharshim on Yeshaya. Now take a look at the Gemara Megillah. That should be in your set on page two. <clears throat> Also, one, before we start this Gemara Megillah, one very important Makar, just want to make mention of, is also in Yavamis. Gemara Yavamis says something uh, peladic, but it's in the middle of a very lumdish sugya. It has to do with the SS Shvatim in a big way. It says the uh, Sanhedrin of the time did what I'll call, for lack of a better phrase, uh, Hefka based on the Hefka on the Neshamas of the SS Shvatim. And the Gemara says they made them into Goyim. We're used to the, the din of Machal Shas for Hesia, Ovid of Arazara, Mumel Akum as a din of a guy. Shaila is that a din de Raisa, din de Rabbanum? We once had some shirin on that in Hosha Shabbos. And the Gemara seems to indicate that they had a yeshiva's based in and they made them into Gayim. And then some Mishayim say that Takana was not only for their Sesa Shvatim, it's for anybody who went and intermarried and got lost in a Ruchnistic away and then wasn't part of Klai Yisrael. And to make matters easier for Yichus, they made him into Goyim. Then one of the problems of Mamzerim later on, whoever comes back, they're just Megayar from scratch, which is a Milo. Carries with a Chesarin where they made them into Goyim in the first place, but with the Ethiopian Jews and the whole Machoikas, whether they're Suffolk Yidin or not, on the side they were Yidin, it was worse because then they had a Suffolk Mamzerim because they didn't practice getting in Kedushim properly. It'd be better if they weren't Yidin. And anybody coming from these alleged uh, Ten Lost Tribes, we basically start from scratch. So the Gemara says they made them into Goyim. Who are they talking about? The answer is they're talking about the first generation. It doesn't say anything about the future generations, but if the first generation become Goyim, then Mamela, the children, grandchildren, grandchildren, are Goyim. So how that Gemara, I'll just throw that out as a question, how that Gemara fits in with all these Mepharshim that are claiming that they're all coming back, we just don't know where they are and they're lost. So who's coming back? They made them into Goyim. 
So that has to be addressed. We're not going to do that now, but that's an entire sugyun yavamas. That makes things uh, quite complicated. Uh, if you say that the first generation were made into Goyim, but they already had children, and the children were already taken by their parents, and their shtikotin and the Chazal, the Sanhedrin at the time, didn't make them into Goyim, so their children still remain Jewish, and their children, children, grandchildren, so they're all Jewish, even though they're... You could say that. That would be an answer. It's just, uh, that's quite amazing. That they came with their three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, and they were all sent into Gullis, and only the parents who were responsible for their various were made into Goyim, but not the children, which makes sense hashkafically. But then you had a bizarre situation where they were all living there, and the parents aren't Jewish, and the kids are. Very, very confusing. But there, there's a whole sugi about that. That's not, I'm not quoting some medrash you never heard of. It's a whole sugi in Yavamis. Okay, fascinating Gemara Megillah. Take a look at the uh, brackets. I don't know where I started doing this copy. It's Yudalim Abbeis. And uh, you have a bracket by the word. Where, where does your bracket start? Hold up. First one is Holda? Okay. Let's go back to Holda here. Holda the Siv? Is that the one you have? Okay. Take a look at the Pasik Dalit. It's the bottom left hand side. Uh, get the whole Pasik. Vahilachuki, Akayan, Vahika, Vahakbar, Vashafan, Vasaya, Holda, and Aviya. They went. As a group, very chasha, we're talking about the uh, Kainim and the Chachamim, they go to Chulda, Chulda Navia. This is in the context of the Gemara Megillah of listing the women who were Navias in Klai Yisrael. And Chulda was one of them, and they're proving it from this Pasik. They went to Chulda Navia, Aisha, Shalom, Ben Tikva. And uh, the Pasik continues to say that they uh, went to discuss with her a certain possible Navur pending disaster and they wanted to hear her opinion and the Gemara in this context is proving A, she was in Avia and then the Gemara wants to know go back to the Gemara first line is the Achbar the next line Yirmiya was alive and was the ranking Navi Hadar so why'd they go to her and how did she have the right to give a Navur like Marulacham ibn Rabbi and she has the right to give an avua when Yirmi is around. Ami be rab the rav. So the Gemara has two terutsim. The Gemara has one terutz on how she did it, and then the Gemara is going to ask the obvious kasha, and that is why were they sent to her and not to Yirmiya. Ami be rab the rav. Chulda kreves Yirmiya ha'isav alayah makben alayah. He was Michael and his covered. They were related and they knew that it wasn't a Shaila Marulacham Ibn Rabbah because they were related and Yirmiya was fine that she should give the Nevu. Okay, that answers Herzad how she could say something when Yirmiya was around. The question is why did the Melech send to her in the first place? He sent this whole expedition because they wanted to know what was going on. Rashi says this right after uh, Melech Yeshia uh, found, uh, found the. Uh, the Sefer, the old Sefer Torah, which we didn't get to yet in Novi. It needs a lot of explanation of what they found and why it was such a sensation. Yes. True, and Hulda had, we know that Hulda Navia had different Navuas. The question really is why she assumed that. You're saying, well, she just assumed she got a Navua. Must be she got in Yirmiya didn't. That's not always the case either. Sometimes multiple Navim got it, so she should check with the Navi Adar and say, look, I received this Dvar Hashem. Did you receive a similar message? If you did, then you tell them, I'm sending them over. Is she obligated to wait maybe three weeks to find the person and then 
while Shaya was Yirmiyah in town, which we're going to get to in a moment, but assuming he was right now, we're assuming that, so um, there is still uh, an issue of Marolach Menei Rabba, a similar, similar type thing. The main question is Gemara is asking now, uh, the Melech sent this group to her directly. Why didn't the Melech send them to Yirmiyah? How she answered the question, how she dealt with them, why were they sent? And that's the next Shia of the Gemara. But at this point, historically, what was what? This is when he found the Sefer. So Rashi says, it's after he found the Sefer, and they knew that they had some bad news, and they knew something was coming, and something was coming. We didn't get, we're almost at this in the Navi Shir. It's a lot going on, and the, they're rolling still toward the downward spiral to the Korban. Uh, and Yeshua Melech is the only remaining. Uh, one of the only remaining uh, upticks in the graph, so to speak, of uh, a possible reversal of their misfortunes. But at this point, was he, had, had he been closer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was about Shuvah already. He was about Shuvah. And he sent them. He sent the Kayin and the, this committee to go find out. Uh, they, need, they need help, and they want to know what's going on. So the Gemara said, oh, why did he send? Why did he send the committee to her? Gonna go very slow in this Gemara. You can, like many Agatas, you can uh, misinterpret this. Now we all know if you want a certain answer, you can't rig the Shaila and ask the uh, Rav who might be more makel. You got, <laughs> you have a Rebbe. You got to ask. They always sent to Yemia. So all of a sudden they send the Chulda. Gemara says, Yeah, of course they sent the Chulda. Everybody knows Nashim Achmaniyasheim. Valkein Ma. What's the answer? So the Masha is going to say, we'll see the Masha inside, not this week, that she's going to daven harder. How does that change the Nevuah? <laughs> okay, so you see over here, Achidish. Before the Nevuah comes, you can still daven. After the Nevuah comes, you can still daven. Because Hashem can always rescind the Nevuah Lara. So she could daven before, she could daven after. It's easy to daven before. She could daven afterwards also. And they may re- re- receive a different Nevuah. Yermia doesn't care about Klaizel any less. As a matter of fact, if you've ever seen any of the Kinnis on Tisha B'av, and you've read Eicha, Yermia davened a lot and cried a lot. So not a question who cares more. Beteva, because Nashim Rachmanias, they could cry more and they can, the davening can come out. That's a fascinating angle. And we know it to be true from other Gemaras as well. So therefore, the Melech decided it's not a Pagam in Yermia because Yermia was Michael. And she is better in this context because maybe they'll squeeze one more drop of tefillah, one more tear, and it'll help Klai Yisrael. Fascinating. Yes? I can we just say that since, like, even, let's say Hashem gave his parashem uh, to both Yudim, but right. Ain't Shemesh Yudim, uh, Misagam Echad. That means there's... Therefore, so, which, whichever way, it's the, there is no wrong answer when it's coming from Hashem, but... Doesn't mean they're two different nevuas. It means that if the lotion comes out exactly the same, like what happened by Navi Abal, you know they're all lying. They come and it's a scripted text, and they all come, thus says Hashem, and they say word for word, then you know they're all, uh, they're all charlatans. So that's what that Gemara means. It means that they, uh, they can have a different signum, but it's the same nevuah. So, so she's going to dive in, Yemi is going to dive. What's the difference? The answer is. One more tear might help the situation. That's one terrace. The next terrace, which I'm not going to get to now, but I want to get to the Peleyayits, is going to be what we need for our purposes, and that is that Yermia wasn't in town. 
And the reason he wasn't in town is because he was sent to get the Aseris Ashvatim, which makes things really complicated. We have three different Gemaras on the same thing. He's going to get the Aseris Ashvatim. We just finished saying that either they were made the Goyim and the Gemara in Yavamas, or they're not coming back for a long time. So who did he go get? We'll find out uh, next week. Uh, don't cheat, but if you really want, it's, I won't hold you to it. Let's open up the Peleyets. Remind me, we're up to that Teretz. Speaking of Binyan, we're in the Peleyets on page Samach Zayin. Yesterday we covered one part which I want to say over for those that weren't here. It was the top paragraph in Samach Zayin. He's talking about Binyan, building things. He start, started with the Chazal. Chazal give you an eight cent business whenever you start building a house or extending it or changing it. Uh, give a little extra in the budget for things that go wrong or things you decide to do extra, which everybody does. What's the expression? Uh, once we're doing this, we do that. What uh, some, uh, why? Might as well, yeah. So might as well. So he says, it might as well cost you more money. How much more money? He suggests 100%, 100% surplus. Not a surplus, I should be a surplus. 100% added to your original budget. Some say in a bad day, 20%, 30%. He says 100%. So um, people were uh, tightening the contractors there. Must have really been dishonest. We have better contractors. I don't know. It doesn't sound like the Chazal are concerned that uh, no one's dishonest. It's just, uh, it's not the contractor's fault. If you keep saying we might as well, that's not the contract. The contract is a, a sweet, honest guy. That's your problem or your issue. Okay, so whatever the number is, make sure you know what you're getting into and you can afford it. The second prot, which I wanted to go over quickly, is the fact that uh, when it's built, if you're building already, he suggests there's a mitlet to building from scratch rather than buying from an akum. So an akum could have built it with all sorts of incantations and prayers to the wrong uh, place. And it can add Tuma and the Sitra Achra to the Mokom. If anybody bought from a guy, don't panic, because this is a Madrega already, but he brings down al Pianister that that's something to contend with. And he says, whatever the case may be, when you move in, if you're doing a Chanukah Sabayas, make sure you say Tfilis and you set aside rooms for your learning, and you uh, pledge that you're going to use the house for Achnas and all sorts of mitzvahs and Talmud Torah and Abbas Torah and good parlor meetings. And he does mention the concept of a Chanukah Sabayas. I mentioned yesterday there's a Machlekes whether in Chuslaris Chanukah Sabayas is even a good idea. Some say moving into a new house, building a house is just a question of putting yourself a Chuslaris in a more Kaviyastic way, which is not good for anybody, and therefore why celebrate? And others say, which he's suggesting, that no, we're not happy to be in Chuslaris, but if Hashem gave you an asset, then if you're going to do it, do it with the proper Tfilis and the Kaviyadrash and Divrei and I mentioned uh, that it's important if you're going to do it to do it in a toned-down way because you certainly don't want to invite jealousy and prying eyes and eye and hara. That does nothing for anybody. It's only in the negative direction of So when people ask me, I tell them, if you want to do it, there are places can say it's a nice idea, there are places can say it's not a nice idea, and everybody holds it should be done in some form. But Lamaisa, be very careful on how big the event is and who you're inviting and if you don't want to do it because you're worried about Ayin Hara, then that's fine. Also rely on the other shittas. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. And uh, Tzaddik, as you started mentioning before, he's yet going to get into uh, how much money should be spent and how much time should be spent in this effort in the first place. 
Second paragraph. So first he gets into the halachic technical aspects, which is a problem, an ongoing issue in every neighborhood. You've got to make sure the Goyim don't come and continue the work on Shabbos. That's always the Yitzhahar, there's always deadlines, Chalamayid, uh, which is a parashat of Na'atma, every Chalamayid get the Shailas, the guys are coming, and they, all the contractors tell them that the only time I have is Chalamayid. So I remind the person who's asking me, you know why they have time of Chalamayid? Because all the other from people told them they don't want them coming on Chalamayid. <laughs> so that's why all these Shailas come up. And, okay, Chalamayid is not Shabbos, and it's a concept of Dover Ovid, but they're, if if the project is running over time, which I've heard from people once in a while it runs a day or two over time. Do you ever hear such a thing? Day or two, month or two, year or two. I'm not blaming the contractors. This is all because the people who, uh, once they're doing this, they're doing many other things. And I've had contractors, I've had many, uh, many dinatari with contractors and builders and uh, all sorts of asmachta lakanyas and kenosis and uh, lawsuits back and forth. And usually it's the same story. The contractor's time now would have been finished a year and a half ago had you not changed 55 things. And the homeowner is claiming that I told you about the changes that were going along, and you told me, don't worry, we're still going to be on time. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, and nobody's evil, and uh, they're trying their best. And the homeowners are claiming why the contract is taking on seven different projects. The answer is that they can't make a panasa just off of you, even with your 100% extra allocation. So that's why there's usually uh, a lot going on, and everybody's a little right, and you try to solve it. You can't do this on Shabbos, you can't do it on Yantif, and even Chalamayid is a serious issue. Which he mentions all three. That's not Siat Shmaya for the house. You shouldn't even use it. It's a huge shaila. They had the shaila in, uh, I don't have to mention the city. I'm sure they had it in New York a lot, but there was um, a city with a large community, and somebody was calling me the shaila, and they had a, they started discussing a house built on Shabbos, but uh, it's not a shaila of waiting day shiasu. If they built it for you, it might be also the elam. So they started asking me the shaila, and said, how much is the stake over here? And they quoted some number in excess of $40 million. I said, that's quite a house. They said, no, it's not a house. There's a, it was a Jewish contractor who built the whole development. And it's known in the city. He built on Shabbos Yantav and Chalamayid. That's, uh, that's a shayla. We'll discuss what the answer is, but that's a, that's a problem. And he's a guy who got done relatively on time because he didn't stop for anything. Built on Sunday also. Built on Labor Day, Memorial Day. Yes, so that's what he's referring to. He, he holds. He, it's also the Alvar, the shayla, what the possible kulas are. Over there, uh, there were people, the shayla came up after everybody was living there. And the the Hefzer movement doesn't begin to describe what was going on there, and then you look for coolers there. But it's, it's, it's an issue. Some people have to make a macha if they can. Now he gets to the actual architectural work and what you should be planning for. If you have plans for a large house and you're building accordingly, Make sure you have a nice big room for your study where you can lock the door and go learn. And when the children ask, where's Tati? Either he's in the best Medjish or he's there learning or seeing Mishalochim or uh, doing some other act of chesed. A place where he can have peace and quiet, learn and be misbeided. If you're building large, make sure the real intent is for the extra rooms for the people coming through the town. Today is Gavaldic. Uh, it's a little easier because often we're inviting our friends. 
or people were here for simchas. Then in Europe, it was people coming through town who probably haven't showered for a while and were in tattered clothing and really needed a place to eat and sleep. And it was uh, where they push it, uh, didn't have a bench to uh, sleep on. Well, they had a bench, but it wasn't comfortable. So keep in mind, this is the real reason you're buying or building such an expensive house. Notice how he says this old uh, misconception found its way. The Achreinim had to bavarn this, that there is a chi mezuzah on every door, not just in the front door. You'll say, that's pushit. Well, pushit because we had shirim and hechaz mezuzah. There was always this misconception that, yeah, the front door is the main thing, and the other door is, well, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe not. There's no chilik. If the door has a, doorway has a door, there's a chi mezuzah on any door, the same chi of nothing to do with the front door. If you have all this in mind, you build it halachically correctly, and you put the mezuzahs where they're supposed to be on time. Second most common misconception, people call me on day 29 after they move into the house. Say, they have some shaylas, they only have one day. I said, you're negative 29. 30 days only for a renter, not for a person who bought. The person who bought is high of the second they move in, the night they move in, which is a tiring day when the moving truck comes. And they should have it in place and everything measured bottom half of the top third, and everything all discussed so they can put it in as they're moving in. So if you do all this, then I'll have shalom, and if you can afford it, and whatever you're building, you could do yourself, that's a mailal, pianister, doing yourself a likna bonoi, because you never know what the other fellow put into it or didn't put into it in terms of the Ruchnius and Siat Deshmaya. If you can find the house where the other guy was from, and he, Mustama, did all this, and he said his tefillahs, and he put up his mezuzahs, and he built it for the right reasons, the right kavanahs, then you're on safer ground. Otherwise, if you can afford it, do it yourself the right way, and we'll see on Shabbos next Sunday. If you uh, don't have the money, don't get into it. He's not suggesting you build your. Uh, Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal is a different story. You probably shouldn't build that in any case. But uh, <laughs> but Hashem will uh, continue that next Shabbos. We will be starting Monday night to keep it of aim. Shir, continue with it tomorrow night, Amit Hashem.